welcome to Unexpressed, where we express the inexpressible. My name is David White, and I'm the publisher at Whitefire. Over the years, I've had the privilege and opportunity to work with some really amazing people, very talented authors mostly, who have a unique view of the world. Our focus has been on the things that are important and challenging, viewed through the lens of storytelling. Our readers and our listeners are a part of that process. So if you're like us and you're looking for a podcast that will challenge you and encourage you to challenge yourself, you've come to the right place. Today we talk with author Sarah S.E. Clancy. Her young adult novel, Victoria Grace the Jerkface, is a hilarious look into the life of a modern teenager. We talk sarcasm, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and why she thinks condiments are evil. On a more serious note, we also get into how parents of teens can navigate the difficult waters that are the modern world. This one is millimeters for being off the rails at every moment, so we hope you enjoy it. I don't ever oh, know the answer to that. you want me to say who I am. That's right, I'm supposed to say who I am. Yeah, my I was... My real name is not S.E. Clancy. And if I told you my real name, I would have to kill you. Not really. Oh, good. But I would rather you call me Sarah. Excellent. So, S.E. No, I, that would that would be rude. <laughs> <laughs> S.E., I, I, don't, I don't have that... Uh, that thing where I can really stick with a joke for very long because I feel bad about it. Oh, let me needle you. Oh, no, sorry, sweetie. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. You're like, please, please don't cry. Please don't cry. If I'm crying, then it's the, the interview is going terrible. Okay. Because I'm going to reach over there and grab my chocolate and then it'll all the answers will be all like through caramel. And it'll be like, I'm not afraid. I have one friend I talk to, and it's like every time something I say reduces her to tears, and I feel so bad. But she's like, no, that's just how it is, and it's it's good that we can talk like this. I go, oh, are you sure? It doesn't feel good. Oh. You're like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I should just, I should probably stay out of these conversations. I should talk about art. Yeah. Talk about art. <laughs> no, no. no. It, it's always like, and... Well, no, they're even harder than this, but it's like, and then my dog died, but it, it's like, <gasps> then my, you know, real my person dog, died. My dog did just die. Oh, I'm sorry. See? <laughs> Foot in mouth. She was old, though. She was 15 and a half. It was okay. She lived a long life, and she was a big dog, too. Oh, 15 but and a half and a big dog. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, there should be a, a whole list of things we... Okay, don't touch on this or this don't or this. Don't talk about dogs. <laughs> well, because in in our last interview with Kara, we talked a little bit about and whether that that made it into the edited version or not. I'm not sure yet, but uh, we talked about how sometimes people will try to say, like, to, to to empathize with someone. Oh, I know what it's like to have lost a spouse. My dog just died last last week, and you go, "Oh, sweetie, no, you don't." Awesome. Like, what yeah, are you doing? Even, you should just shut up. You should. You should move your, your lips should not be moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's when you but, practice a little bit of Southern Baptist. So you go, mm, mm, That's mm. right. <laughs> if you know them well enough, maybe give them a hug and, yeah, and then or call it a day. don't, you just kind of pat one shoulder. Right. Or you just say. The church hug. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter, like, developed the church hug. She, she'd lean in and pat. Like, yes. The oh. one-armed church hug. Yes. Very familiar with that. Very. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm also not a hugger, and the kids at junior high know that. And so they know that if they don't know me very well and they are huggers, they start with a sidearm hug. Okay. And then sometimes, if it's a good day, I'll pat their backs. So that's how they know how the day is going to go. 
It's exactly. They're like, oh, look at she packed my back. It's a good day. It's a good day. We're gonna be able to like really get into stuff, and she's gonna be she's gonna be fun and happy. Jesus' spirit is all over her on this day. And then the other days where you grit your teeth and lean away, you're like, oh boy. They're like, ooh, she needs some Jesus. Let's hug her some more because that's how junior high kids do it. Is it? Let's hug her more because that will totally make her happy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a little while since I've been a junior high kid. So what are they actually like these days? I mean, I have a 14 year old daughter, so Lord knows I should know, but (laughs) I just, I have no idea. I mean, she just started talking to me. Junior high kids are much more, they have more knowledge because they're exposed to so much more. They are in an instant world. Everything they have is in their phones. Um, Everything you don't wish them to ever want to say is on a bumper sticker. Um, Everything you don't wish them to want to see is either on a TikTok, on... Okay, I got to stop you. What's a TikTok? I'm old. I understand YouTube, but I know what movies and bumper stickers are. Um, I'm embarrassed to say this TikTok thing I'm not 100% uh, up with, so... So, so what's the deal with that? Wish, I wish uh, I actually don't have TikTok for the sake of my kids because my kids are like, Mom, please, no. Um, it's actually they're real tiny blips of mostly music. People will do things set to music. Um, the funniest ones I love to watch are the Christian, uh, like the youth leaders who will make ones. Like last night I watched one about how Christian um, youth group boys want to impress the girls um, and the, the youth leader wants the chairs to be put away and the boys won't get up to. And so he lets all the, the new here, we have some new visiting girls and all of a sudden the boys are putting away all the chairs. <laughs> so they're just little tiny. I think they only run up to 30 seconds. Okay. But yeah. So it's fabulous. like, you know, uh, Insta video or it's vine or something like that. YouTube videos. Okay. Yeah, okay, they're just, so they're, they're just, just videos. Okay. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it it scared me a little bit because it's like, I don't even understand what this is. Like, yeah. And once you, you lose track of what Vine, it is. Because it used to be that Vines were the thing, but Vines are dead. So it's now TikTok. Yeah, that's so, uh, that's so. that's old. And the last thing I was up with was Vine. I never did it, but at least I knew it existed. And it was, you know, yeah. it was a thing. So Welcome to the next year. Right. Or maybe six months till till something new comes out. So Mm -hmm. I don't know who really is going to want to watch this and really want to connect with you as uh, as a cool person, whether it's the 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 kiddos, you know, to to kiddos. My My mom might watch. Yeah, see, that was what I was getting at is like, I don't know that uh, teenagers watch podcasts, but. Adults do. So maybe we should aim a little more in that direction of adults, you aim know, high. aim high, aim old. Like imagine, imagine <laughs> you're 50. Team Centrum. There we go. Team Centrum. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing their commercials. I grew up in the day where everything <laughs> sorry, was a commercial. Man, you get, you're going to get me a full speed on this one. Man. Awesome. Going off the cuff. You don't have questions. I don't have answers. This is going to go super far. And plus, the angle on this camera, for some reason, is making me really wide. Oh, no, it's beautiful. So it's like... It, it, it makes your haircut look forward. awesome. 
I just want no. to keep leaning forward until my eye is until really I'm uncomfortable. Screen. Yeah, it, it, I still haven't gotten over. This is a, a technical weird thing. Like, I feel like I'm looking like 10 degrees off camera because the camera's just off. So, eh. Anyway, so. Yeah, so like you're looking over this way. Yeah, my, I'm just looking at you. I, my camera that I have to look at is right here. And so I'm trying to remember to look there. I try to look at the camera and remember to look at the camera and then. It's just not the. It's not at all natural. I don't know how TV people do it. So it's a good thing this is just well, an audio version, and no one's going to care. Get this, and not to get this. Uh huh. It's a beautiful halo. <laughs> I look like I'm from Dune. Yeah. For anyone listening, uh, it's got the the reflections. Yeah. See, now I'm drawing a picture with my finger, like you can see <laughs> that. But the reflection of the the light behind her in her glasses. It's beautiful. I wear glasses, and it's the bane of my existence. Why don't you get the uh, the Lasix? Lasix? Yeah. For when I'm very popular and I have to go greet people and then I have to have surgery on my eyes. It's a little terrifying. You actually have to have surgery on your eyes while you're awake. Can you imagine? <laughs> like the... Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I had a friend who got it fairly early on and uh -huh. he said, oh, they guarantee it for life. I said, how can they guarantee that for life? They said, oh, they'll just do it again and fix it again. And they'll do that as many times as you need. I was like, why would you want that? Like, that's not a lifetime guarantee. I tried contacts and I have an astigmatism. So I have to wear weighted contacts. And so every time I would blink, they adjust. Oh, no. That was like, that was like, that was like an entire day of living in a fun house everything would shift around. I'm like, this is really not fun, but... You'd have a really good excuse if you is. got, like, driving. Like, why are you swerving all over? My contact lens keeps moving around. Because my contact lens was shifted. My left one was shifted to the right. My right one was shifted high. And so I didn't know where the road was, sir. Like yeah. That. Yeah, just don't run anyone over. So, but I, <laughs> thinking about this this question of all the stuff that the kids get to see on, on television and or not on television. My gosh, does, do kids watch television anymore? Or is that just for, for older folks? They watch like, streaming They watch streaming television because then you can actually watch six seasons of an, you know, in three days. That's true. Not that I would ever, not that I would ever do that. I, I have, <laughs> and I feel miserable. <laughs> I'm not. I love binge watching. Really? What's your favorite show that you binge watch? What is it? Oh, I binge watched The Office. Once my daughter introduced me to The Office, I was Klein Sinker gone. It was horrible yeah. and wonderful I, to see your time. I, I totally missed The Office. It was out while I was, I guess, mostly in college, and then mm -hmm. you know, like young and didn't have time for for that Same. after college. So, but I think I was after college. Probably, based on. <gasps> oh no. <gasps> So we'll we'll edit that out. No, no. Excuse You're... me. I need to go grab my locker. Make my way to my rocker chair to go watch the office. No, we're just we're gonna edit that whole thing out because then everyone will know exactly how old all of us are if they do any math. So I, I don't care if people know how old I am. It doesn't bother me anymore. So it doesn't my bother you. Are like you're how old? And I'm like I'm 45, and they're like, you. See, oh. It's on the tip of their tongue. They want to say you are so. But they stop themselves. They just make this horrible face, like, oh. But you're cool, so did it's kind of okay. Did they have cars when you? Did they have cars when you were little? Did they now have see, the alphabet? Sooner or later, though, you're going to be writing for for teenagers who are like, 
wait, you had to drive your car? You got a driver's license? Like, yeah, I drove my car for years. You don't have to do that anymore. Oh, or, you know, we growth grew up in the day before smartphones, so they don't understand what it's like to have to, you know, use a computer to (laughs) use Google. I understand the pain of having to walk across the carpet to turn the television station. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Or when you had rabbit ears on top of your television and you're like, I just want, so you get it to the perfect where they're aligned perfectly. And then you sit down and it's staticky because when you were standing, it was better. You were part of the antenna. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that where like you grab it and it's perfect. Just stand there. Personality made it coming more clear. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, And and if there are any teenagers watching, they're going, what are they talking about? Rabbit ears and television. Yeah. Like when, when the Ten Commandments came out, that's when I was a kid. It was right Aww. around that time. Well, that could have been true. Maybe not the Charlton Heston so version. So yeah. close. So close. So close. But so, but, but I'm just now. I'm, I'm still thinking. Like, how do you? How do you? You said you had teenage uh, daughters. Is it? Is it both daughters or sons too or two? God thought so, it would be hilarious and give me two teenage daughters at the. Well, two daughters, and then they were teenagers at the same time. I mean, our daughter is a delight. I think I said she's finally talking to me. So hey. for years, like, she didn't... She, this is how loud she spoke all the time. That was it. And then she would talk to her mother, which was great, I guess. She's like, oh, she talks to me all the time. Well, can you tell me what she's like? I have no idea. Uh, but, like, the last year, she started talking to me. I'll take her to our ballet lessons, and she'll... We'll almost have a conversation. It's, I don't know, all that talk about teenage angst. Maybe we already had it um, in the preteen years. Yeah, mine's years. opposite. My my children don't stop talking uh, because that's probably because I don't stop talking. We are always talking. Um, it's just different for us. And I think the only time we ever stop talking is when we go to sleep. Or we're watching a really good television show or movie online. Not even online. We're streaming it. And uh, that shows my age. Um, when we're watching a movie and my youngest won't stop talking about what she thinks the plot will happen. And yeah. finally we'll just be like, stop talking. That was me. I did that. Like, oh, I'm going to. I felt so bad. Uh, again, this is a silly thing. But um, my parents were watching The Sixth Sense and I'd never seen it. And I walked in and I went. I hadn't seen it, hadn't seen the previews, didn't know anything about it. It had just come out on on VHS, probably. And I said, oh, is he dead? And they just looked at me like, well, you might as well turn it off now. I guess that's the case. Thanks for blowing the ending. Well, I I didn't know. Go to your room. (laughs) So I just remember, you know, oh, you know, that sounded like a really cool movie. Uh, Yeah, I, I was the guy that always talked about why it's dumb or why it's stupid the mystery science theater 3000 thing would have would have been a lot of fun really i love that i actually got to meet funny story through instagram i got to meet and um actually talk quite often to her now the the lady who recently voiced gypsy really um yeah i just sent her a message because my husband and i back when we were young and poor and just married because we were both still in college when we were first married and we like our dates were to the grocery store. It was amazing. It was very romantic when he would push me on the grocery cart down the aisle. 
Um, and I, would I want video of that. Hand. We should really be cutting know, to that I image would, right now. Yeah. It, like, actually, we still do it. Um, we'll go up to one of the bigger grocery stores at night and still do that. And he'll still shove me really hard down the, the aisle and I'll fly down giggling like a crazy person. And people are like, oh my gosh, what age is she? And I don't care. Yeah, 13. But yeah, it's when we, were, we were so poor, we actually would record Mystery Science Theater 3000 back when Joel was on it and um, on, our, on our VHS tapes. And then for one of our anniversaries, I think our 20th, I found season one. Somebody had taken their old tapes, put them onto DVDs, and so I bought the full first um, season. And I should almost go back and just rewatch that. I, I wonder if that's available on any streaming platform now. Mystery Science Theater, the new one is. Yeah. The new one, yeah, I'm sure it is. One? But the old ones, you actually have to go buy old D- and you have to buy somebody who took their VHS tapes and put them onto DVDs. And I will say it's worth it, though, because the old ones, nothing against the new ones, which I think are funny, but I love the old ones the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't quite recapture the lightning the same way. Like, that was just, it was brilliant it was and ridiculous. It, oh, yeah. It was done in his bedroom or garage or basement or something it was funny it was so funny yeah Anyways, that's one of those I, yeah. I would go watch that as soon as we were done here if if it was on netflix i would just i would that would be what i would be doing this afternoon so maybe it's a good thing it's not on there it's uh it's not friday I get to go so paint. oh painting's fun I get to go, yeah. so i'm trying to get to a serious question i just have never gotten there because maybe that's not the way this is going but serious. so how do you oh well well how do you manage your kids on on the onlines and with their phones and all that because our daughter still doesn't have her own smartphone so i manage my kids mostly with duct tape it doesn't leave very many marks uh it's cheap it's reusable sometimes so usually i just duct tape them but (laughs) well i I should send you some what they call gaff tape they use in films it doesn't leave a, a residue so it's good for clothes and stuff no the residue is a nice reminder to them that if they really try it again it's it's available to me in mass quantities and it's also comes in different colors now so i mean it's a style choice it's a mom's choice and if i'm feeling generous i'll match it to their outfit if not clash it it is what it is uh in in regards to their phones um when they were younger they did have restrictions um, once they reach a certain age, they can either work around, they can, they can work around restrictions. Um, right. I always did. So I mean, my, we had stuff on, on the internet in those days, you know, right. And just on the computer, I, we'd have smartphones, but my yeah. thing is to teach them to make the better choice. They can make the They can make the bad choice and I could not know about it. Um, but they need to make the decision that they're willing to make. Hopefully it's a, an, yeah. a choice that is not detrimental to them. That if they choose to look at a website that they know is gregarious or has images that they probably shouldn't watch, that they would make the choice not to watch it. But it, it, it gets you have to get to a point where you're not... I'm not a helicopter mom by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think me. that's a, re- so much. There's me. If you're going to run in the street, children, make sure you look both ways. 
but have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but I, yeah, like, I think that's a much better way to look at it. Like, if your kids want to go mountain climbing, don't be like, well, don't go mountain climbing because no, they'll figure I out a way to go do it. Yeah. Like, okay, well, that's fine. Well, do it halfway safe. If you're going to free climb, try to make so sure you won't die. At the dollar store, so. Oh, good point. Yeah. Uh, And I I also remember we, a long time ago, did did this climbing thing. And and there was a rule I always remember was screw down so you don't screw up. It's carabiner lock. Yeah. I don't know. Things stick in your head. So. But, yeah. So I like that so much better, though. Make a good choice. Like, parents don't. Parents and grandparents in particular. I had a, a friend who has grandchildren and he said, you let your kids play outside? Well, I didn't even know how to answer that question. It's like, yeah. Like, didn't you play outside? And you were kids in like the 60s and 70s where you guys would run off, you know, halfway across town into the mountains and disappear for. We actually moved out to, um, we live next door to my parents. When I say next door, it's a fluid term. We live on the first five acres. They live on the neighboring 15 acres. Nice. So my kids grew up outside all the time. It's now they hate it because they have to drive all the way into town to, you know, be with their friends. But um, for us, it was a choice to come out here because we started in in the city where we lived and then moved out here to the country. Um so yeah, we've always, my kids will go outside. They're responsible for eating. I know that's crazy. I taught my kids how to make their own meals. And some nights I actually don't make dinner. I look at them and say, every man for himself, go ahead, raid the refrigerator. Or just if you guys want to make some Triscuits with some cheese and meat, like adult Lunchables, go yeah. for it. As long as you have protein. Well, when I was younger you know my mother worked full-time she was a single mom and my favorite meal is gonna sound terrible was i would take two slices of bologna cut it with a a a knife into squares and put some ketchup and dip the bologna in ketchup (laughs) yeah i loved it so yeah i can't do i actually don't like any condiments um oh so on my on my profiles when it says just say no to mayo i have a massive aversion mayonnaise it's not it's not like a who what a cute little saying she has it's oh. i don't like oh. mayonnaise the worst well, sound sarah it was God nice having you on but you gotta go i'm oh. sorry i said well it was nice having you on but you gotta go you're wrong that's just oh, yeah. wrong oh. no i'm so grateful to the person who invented squeezable mayonnaise because the worst sound in the world besides a cat throwing up is is mayonnaise stirring in the jar that is just it's only a little bit better squirting out of the jar though i like i like packets next time you have to stir mayonnaise in a jar it sounds just like a cat throwing up i just want you just to consider that thanks thanks for that you'll never be able to unhear it welcome you'll never unhear it yeah this the show needs sound effects now i'm thinking i'm gonna go home we're gonna record record some foley of stirring stirring mayonnaise so oh my gosh you're right i just heard it that's horrible. Uh, and, the, and the taste is disgusting, too. Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to, I still eat my sandwiches and my burgers dry. People think it's crazy, but I do. But um, I oh. actually wouldn't eat any burgers, like, from drive through when we were little kids. And, the lo- like, I would have to have a cheeseburger with meat, cheese, and bun. And if it had 
ketchup or whatever on it, I wouldn't eat it. And my mom knew it, so she finally got to the point where she would unwrap everything in the drive through window before she would give it to me. Because I started that when I was... No, my brothers and sisters all eat it. I just have never... I have an aversion to condiments. Yeah. You know, you would think that wouldn't be too much of a problem. My wife, Rosanna, she she doesn't like pickles on anything. So when sometimes things will say no pickles, they'll just pick the pickles off, which right. you can't it's, unpickle a sandwich. Yeah. No, it's like picking onions out of a salad. You can't take this taste out. No. So, yeah, you can't un-ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, special <laughs> sauce. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love the people who are like, just scrape it off. And I'm like, really? Yeah, my, my brother-in-law said that. My brother-in-law said, um, uh, "How about I put some dog poo on your on your burger?" And they're like, "Why would you do that?" It's like you can just scrape it off. And they went, "I I see your point. Okay, no uh, well made. No pickles for you. No mayo for you. No exactly. Yeah. Like just say no. Now see, I'll just no. put as many sauces as I can on there. That that's just no limit. Pile them all on. And you know what? That's okay." Good. We could agree to disagree. Dumb and dumber when he's squeezing the ketchup and the mustard way up in the air, trying to catch it in his mouth. Oh my gosh, this this needs to be full of gifs and and sound effects. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. Uh, This I I might go over the edge when we do this. You said we shouldn't do a video version, but this is so going to be a video version. (laughs) Here's me. Don't do a video version. Also, I'm like really wide, but hey, let's use it anyways. I'll zoom it in. It'll be fine. We'll, 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 It'll be we'll fine. do I'll just, movie I'll magic. Just put a paper plate over your face. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Talking paper plate. So exactly. I think somewhere in all of this, you're like an author and stuff. So we, we've spent, uh, I do. that's how you and I met. I guess so. Yeah. And like everyone else that I've talked to on here has been authors. So there might be a theme going somewhere. That is crazy. It might change, but for now, everybody's an author. So, so you write stuff for like old ladies, right? Like Amish so, fiction. Yes. Hallmark. Oh, Hallmark. Trademark. I'm sorry. Hallmark with a little trademark symbol on it. Um, everything ends up happy. Everything. My stories. There's usually a single girl who goes to a small town that needs a doctor or a nurse or a vet or something that needs a girl boss, but it's always a small town. And then when she gets there, there's, she's fleeing her past. These are my stories. And then there's always the single guy who comes in and owns the bar, the restaurant, the coffee shop. There you go. Perfect. And they, it's amazing. It's a, it's usually what I write. It's like, like that's so close to what I write. So, or B, what I really B. write is B. <laughs> what I really write is um, things that have sarcasm, because I eat sarcasm for my meals, and I also drink it with my coffee. What's the better flavor? What's your like favorite flavor of sarcasm? Um, my favorite flavor of sarcasm is Italian sweet cream. Perfect. Moving on. So with this, with with your, your first book coming out here probably in a couple of weeks, uh, by the time this gets edited and recorded and, you know, all this magic happens that all the gifts get installed and yeah. That's how books happen also too, magic. They like they do. just write themselves in like two weeks. 
It's amazing. I've seen it done in two weeks. If you can't do it in two <laughs> weeks, you can't do it. I'm sorry. I feel bad. I'm, I've, I've I've shamed everyone um, I know. And also, my dog died in November, so don't worry about that. We'll just we won't even we'll, go we'll leave again. that. No, no, no. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'm I'm a little bit curious. Maybe tell us a little bit about why you wrote what you wrote and why you why you write what you write. Um, you know, two two different questions. Let's start with why you write what you write, and then we'll get into the specifics. So, you know, why sarcasm? Why why a you write it. Thank goodness I write it. I done writ. Apparently I don't know how to word. Word. I started writing back when I was a kid. And then I kind of gave it up. I went to a writer's conference when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And I had a really terrible experience. And I thought, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Fast forward several years when my oldest daughter and I had a we would read books together and we had, first of all, before we would buy them in the stores, we had what was called the five page flip test. And we would fit, we would go to five random pages and if it had swearing or sex, it was out. And so many of those books failed. Um, and we both read a book that had, it was a decent read. We actually mostly enjoyed it, but the ending was terrible. I mean, it was just, it, it didn't fit in with the characters at all. It was just like the author got tired of writing. and so The Divergent series? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll just shut up. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, just because like, I want to add random POVs in their stuff. No. Um, uh, <laughs> So she actually dared me to write something. She goes, actually, her words were, well, I bet you, and she had this head bob thing going on. She goes, well, I bet you, you can't write something that's better. And I said, fine. And so at Christmas, uh, well, for Christmas, before Christmas happened, I, I finished writing a book. I printed, I went to the local, I think it was Office Depot, and had it printed out and bound and wrapped it up and put it under the Christmas tree. And that book will never be seen by anybody because it's terrible. Um, it's actually not terrible. There are some terrible qualities to it. Like it's just the it's poorly written. It it does it does a lot of telling, not showing. There's some really horrible tropes in it, and it's like it makes. And you use words like "ridded" and stuff like that. It was horrible. Yeah. It was like I like read it so now. I read it. I read it like three or four months ago, and I was like. This needs to go back in a file that I never find except on accident and make jokes about. <laughs> right? And it's a whole book. It's it's 75,000 words that I wasted. But Oh, no. No said, words are wasted. Yeah. That said, I got the experience of writing. Well, once I actually finished the book, I actually kind of thought, you know, I actually could do this. And so I tried a couple of different... I took that book actually back to another writer's conference. Well, hold on. Let's, let's, let's pause there. Who won the bet? You or your daughter? One. Did, so did she read? And like, did she go, that was terrible. You should quit. No, she actually liked it. <laughs> so the plot is fine. The plot is good and the characters are good. There's just some poorly written moments in it. I mean, there's just like some, I would rather lick pavement than put it and publish it as it is it's just like <laughs> you should totally do segments where you read paragraphs from it i think that would be hilarious 
oh yeah mm, that tiny squeaking noise is like what my brain says the entire time i read it so yeah so when i took that to the writers conference i actually have um in my phone because i typed it in because it was so impactful on my life i had an editor of a big publishing company um, i submitted it beforehand and the editor had looked it over and put a note in with the manuscript and then we picked up the manuscripts to see what they had to say if they said you should pursue this talk to this person this is the advice i have to give to you and her advice to me was you shouldn't be writing young adult. You need a lot more practice. And I, so, so I wrote down oh. in my phone, you don't need to write, you don't need to be writing for young adult. You need a lot more practice. And I said, I will prove her wrong one day because my whole heart was to write for something that my girls could read. To be honest with you, I only wanted books that were something that they would keep their interest. Um, that they could read and I could pass off to other moms that they wouldn't have to worry about sex or swearing in. Um, and I wanted it to be kind of relevant. Actually, my original story was a retelling of, as it was a dystopian retelling of Esther. And I kind of wanted I want to, to read that. Um, yeah, I know. It brings back biblical retellings because the, the stories in the Bibles have, they're there for a reason. And I kind of wanted to wrap around bringing in a biblical story, um, but retelling it kind of like the fairy tales or retelling yeah. are like making the rounds right now. I don't, I'm not a fairy tale writer. I just am not um, because no. I write messier stories because story, uh, because life gets messy. I didn't want to do a non-messy story. Yeah. But like biblical stories are like disgustingly messy <laughs> on occasion. I, I, I was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think my... you, know, you mean that you mean the daughter-in-laws that seduced their father-in-law and had babies? Yeah, that's that's one that they like to gloss over in Sunday school. They're like, and they had babies. Yeah. <laughs> the the morning of uh of the first podcast, my my Old Testament reading was uh I guess a story about I'm trying to remember the they follow had a wife and you know bad stuff happened to her so he took her and chopped her body up into small pieces and sent it to all the quarters of the kingdom yeah. and you yeah. go and and this is a story that's been told you know from then until now and you know the world changed because of that and i go what like i need some context like was it good or bad like is this guy a hero or a what villain i don't know do? Well, it sounded like she was horribly raped and used and, you know, abused. And somehow that was her fault. So, you know, it's hard to square some of that in the modern world. So, you know, I'd love to hear the dystopian. Yeah. Well, yeah, like Lot, people are like, oh, and Lot fled. Oh, they forgot the part where before he fled, he's like, here's my virgin daughters. If you guys want them, just take them. It's fine. Leave us alone. Just take my daughters. They forget that part in the stories. Yeah, I don't know how you forget that part. To me, that's the one that stands out. Like, yeah, they like, like they like that Lot fled and that his wife was so sinful she turned around and turned to salt. But they forgot about when Lot was like, "Just, just take these two off my hands. It's fine." Mm. Yeah, see, I look at like what's the decision making that these people make. It's not what they did; it's why they did it. I'm like, right. wait, wait, you want to, you want to save your own? Like, what, what's, 
and I get like, oh, I'm trying to protect these visitors. And I've heard people say, oh, it, you know, it, it's because of the culture at the time that the visitor was more important. Like, no, I'm sorry. Right. There's something fundamentally it, broken. If that's... It is fundamentally broken, but context does have a lot to play into it. And so, I mean, when you look at when Esther approached the king, she technically, she in their custom could have been put to death at that moment because she wasn't called by the king. She approached him without his bidding. And, and so a lot of people, when they read the story, they don't read that part. A lot of people, when they read about Ruth, um, they don't understand what, what Naomi told Ruth to do with Boaz was like prostitution. Yeah. They're like, they're like, no, no, covering the feet, that was fine. And I'm like, okay, context is everything with this one, people. <laughs> Naomi basically said, honey, just sell yourself. Just put yourself at his feet, cover it, and like he'll have to take you because you'll be like, yes, that point. Selling yourself to him, it's fine. Or or almost trapping him, maybe, in a different way. Like yeah. It's funny the the way for you. Just cover your feet. It'll be fine. Yeah, so you want to write these like true stories and and make them like real life. Why would why would anyone want to read a real life story? I I say again, slightly sarcastically for anyone who doesn't know what our company does. Like we're we're all about true-ish to life so maybe harsher than some people maybe way easier than others so i've heard someone say uh she's a a a big-time christian counselor that works with um like people who've been uh sex trafficked and things like that and she's like yeah your books they they don't even touch the things i deal with on a daily basis like that's because you can't write that story and have it be something anyone would want to read so so how do you find the the like sweet spot in the middle going switching back over from not so harsh no one wants to read it to you know not so uh, we've glossed over all of the the sin and depravity that no one thinks it's true so sarcasm and humor is a nice um, way of being able to work in a particularly harsh situation to where you can use sarcasm to help smooth out the really high peaks into making them be not so rough and humor does that also my characters that i write tend to also be as sarcastic as i am yeah, not so- only because it's easy for me to write um but because that's how in life that's what i tend to deal with i um it's not that i don't have a soul it's a tiny one it's it's there i keep it in a box um but you know what? There's a lot of, like you were saying, there's a lot of depravity and a lot of downright just gross and terrible stories that do need to be addressed for even Christians or non-Christians. But you can do it in a way where you can present the end story is not a hallmark ending, but a hopeful ending. Where there's actually the character may have the the, per, the repercussions, the consequences of their actions, which is important to show because a lot of people in stories don't have um, the consequences. They're like, and then the end, it was all tied up in a bow, and it was sent to Santa Claus, and he brought them a pony. Yeah. But when you deal with consequences, but having with consequences, having hope, hope is the thing that I want to show. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just, I think that's the theme that runs through all of our our books. But going back to what you said about consequences, I love that because uh, 
you know, people talk about, oh, God washes us, you know, all our sins away and, you know, Jesus atoned for them. Uh, And some people then have a problem. They're like, well, Jesus atoned for all our sins, but, you know, uh, uh, so I quit smoking, but I, you know, or my husband quit smoking, but he still died of lung cancer. Like, well, there were still consequences. I mean, is smoking sin, you know, you can we can debate that, you know, depending on your theology or whatever, but you know, like there are still always consequences to all our actions, you know, sin, not sin. Like, you know, you don't look, uh, look both ways when you cross the street, you might get hit by a car, Christian or not. So yeah, that's, that's a bit of a downer. So one of the things I like though, about, uh, your, your sarcasm, uh, answer though, is I think that some people put it on because they think that it is a tool like, Oh, I'll make this, I'll, I'll add a humeric humeric yeah a humorous uh element to this uh, we'll throw a humorous character in here you know uh but it's it sort of doesn't come off the same like your voice all the way down to the core has this built into it so it, it seems like you're not just saying well i'm gonna deal with hard things and i will throw in you know some humor or some sarcasm to to lessen the blow like that's that's baked in right i mean that's so yeah, how's that different? I think that's different. And maybe yeah, we've people... given away too much. No, no. Um, some people use sarcasm almost as a built-in armor. Uh, it depends on your personality. Some people are are humorous and sarcastic because that that's the wall that they build with people. They're like, I'm not really letting people in um, unless they make it past the initial. I do believe that God provides people with a sense of humor. As much as people with tear ducts, don't believe me, I cry. Especially when people put mayonnaise on my burgers. Um, but <laughs> but it's one of those things where I have just learned to lean into sarcasm to deal with a lot of my things that happen in my life. So what and do you say about people who say it's not... Humor. Yeah, what about people who say that that's not healthy? Like, you're just not dealing with it. You're not, you know... Yeah, I actually had a lady at church say that sarcasm is anger in a clown suit. And then I mumbled under my breath, I will show you a clown suit. But it's not. It's You can say it's not healthy, and I can turn around and say to you that being ha- happy about everything and... Really not uh, healthy. Being very unhelpful when, you st- when somebody is hurting and then look at them and say, God has a plan for this. He will help you. You know, sometimes that's not as helpful. I've actually looked at the person. I had somebody did say that to me. They said, you know, God has a reason for letting this happen. And I just looked at them and I stared at them long enough to make it super uncomfortable. And I said, "Mm mm-hmm. And then I turned around and walked away because I'm just like, what do you say that is kind to them? Nothing. Nothing. And you don't want to be unkind to them. I do. So you don't say anything, but you let them like simmer in their really this is not the right thing to say there's a time and place and sometimes there is a time and place to saying that there is so to the person who says that sarcasm isn't as effective as being overly joyful overly happy and loving you don't understand that there are some people in the world that struggle with christians struggle with depression newsflash christians struggle with mental health Oh my gosh christians struggle with addictions it happens those are not happy topics when they're looking for help they don't go to the hallmark channel 
They look for something that they actually can identify with. So if somebody can identify with a sarcastic person I write, because well, you know what? If I can show them hope at the very end, yeah, it really bites what you're going through. I'm super, super sorry. But, well, yeah, and I've had so many people, or maybe more what I was thinking with the people who, the, the kind of things they say is, oh, you need to learn to work through that. So so they'll give you, you know, mm-hmm. here's a workbook or here's a, you know, 10 habits to fix your stupidity now or, you know, whatever those delicious self-help books all say. And, and like, to me, like that's not. People, yeah. Why don't they just give you a pint of ice cream instead? That would oh. be so much more helpful. Right. Like, I don't want a workbook. I'd like some ice cream. Well, if you're lactose intolerant, well, I don't know what you do eat dried fruit. I don't know. I'm not lactose intolerant. So like people, if they were to walk up and say, I'm so sorry, here's this chocolate bar. I would love them forever. Yeah, that matters. That's like, but that's empathy or sympathy or, you know, that's, that's what you would want. Like, I don't think I've ever met a person that was like, you know, I'm really feeling, uh, feeling down today. Oh, here's this workbook. Like who's going to respond well to that? (laughs) Like, oh no, I don't have a number two pencil. I can't, I can't fill out this workbook. Ugh. And I could understand where you say this book was really helpful to me, but they're not ready for that. They don't want to deal with that. No. But, but a fun story where, you know, the teenage girl is, I, I was trying to think of an example from your book, but I'm utterly failing. So maybe you'll have to dig me out well, of that hole. Well, to be honest with you, fiction is mostly is actually it's always an escape it's always you read a story to escape from what you're going through whether it's something bad whether it's you just want to read a good story and jesus used parables mind you they were super he actually jesus was the inventor of flash fiction he told parables so he's like hey dude let me tell you this fiction story super short but you'll get something out of it so when you look at the fact that Fiction has always been used to present something and have it be beneficial to people. It's it's a good thing. In yeah, my, and, and I'm not saying someone in picks up opinion. Yeah, in mine and Jesus's opinion. It's yeah, good. yeah. You never see Jesus at the after the Sermon on the Mount say, "All right, now everybody, get out your, you know, study guide and turn to chapter six. <laughs> I've made a ten-page double-sided study for you. And That's there's right. Pens. At the back. Yeah. Well, but I don't think that, you know, people necessarily pick up a book to uh, to solve their problems. But in yeah. escaping, sometimes they're going to find answers they're not going to find other in other ways. Or they, yeah. they manage just to sort through whatever life is happening around them. I mean, I like to think that I would, am reasonably well-adjusted, uh, contrary to evidence in, you know, but... That fiction helped with that, right? Like, it, you realize sort of who you would like to be, like, or who you don't want to be. You go, you know, I could probably, there's this character I really like and I, I empathize with, and I think I could be like that. And that's, and that's, that can be a good thing. So that may circle back to why you write what you write, because sometimes there's a character that you empathize with that, um, yeah. as a parent, you don't necessarily want your kids uh, emulating. So. No, there's 
there's uh i have a work in progress right now that i would not want my kids to make the choices that she is making but it fit with a character as to when she is hurting she makes some terrible decisions and it snowballs in yeah. the consequences for the first decision which is a ish badish decision it's bad it's sin it's, it's like not murder but you know it's telling her dad a lie and then it snowballs into something else which snowballs into something else and the consequence the consequences end up pretty significant um well that's good fiction i mean there's got to be conflict and problems so yeah yeah and, and i know that some some uh fiction out there doesn't allow they either they offer this set of parents which is parent and children get along super well they tear each other's secrets and at night they have devotions and they pray together then you have these books over here where parent is so stupid parent knows nothing children knows all they should tell their not listen to their parents bye so yeah. i'm trying to write in the middle that story specifically and actually the um the book that's coming out Two weeks ish around there? I don't know exactly. Soon. <laughs> uh, when Victoria Grace comes out. Victoria there you Grace go. That's the that's way to say it. I, I picked, I specifically put her with a single mom. And although they do have a decent relationship, it fits here because sometimes she thinks her mom is, is dumb. Because when we're teenagers, we all think our parents are not the most sharpest tool in the shed. Well, and I will say, now that I'm a parent, I realize that I was probably right at least some of the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. parents are oh, just no, totally... people, like, guessing, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Was it you or or another author, one of our authors that had the meme that said, as long as the kids are alive at the end of the day or something like that, like, I've done my job. Maybe that wasn't you. I have that as one of my Instagram posts, yeah. Or maybe that was as an Instagram. As, up, as long as they don't end up in prison, I call it a win. Yeah, maybe it probably was that one. But it was like, yeah, like some some years I think I lived that. Like yeah. they're getting so, educated, yeah. I, I mean, guess. As a kid, I'm sure I was right, and they are right too. There's times that I've actually gone to my kids and I'm like, You were right. And they were like, What just happened? But you know. Yeah, but that's huge for them, right? Like, cause that's how they get to know good decision making. If the parent's always right and you're always wrong. I I have apologized to my kids for messing that up, and uh, I almost yeah. It's a, I mean, talk about humility as a parent when you're like tell, I'm telling your kids sorry. You know, you can talk about it in a Bible study and around coffee at church in the lobby or just back and forth with a friend. But when you actually have to say you're sorry to your kid about something, there's something that's like. A little bit gravelly about it not because yeah. it, it you know you feel terrible or anything but it's like it's the true meaning of actually apologizing is like saying you're sorry to your kids and like i'm sorry i was wrong yeah you were right <laughs> yeah yeah you might i might have to simmer on that one a bit because it's just it's not the way it's supposed to be like it's upside down but usually that's it when is. you really need to but it's a good thing yeah I'm not saying do it all the time because that would be bad. Then your well, no. kids would be little twerps. Well, sometimes I apologize all the time, but sort of sarcastically, right? It's, I'm sorry you have to deal with me. I'm such a <laughs> dot, 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 whatever the, the end of the so thing is. So sorry you have to do chores. It's like you live here or something. <laughs> sorry about yeah. that. 
Yeah, or I'm so sorry that I'm not hip to whatever, you know, this stuff is that you want to do. Exactly. What's TikTok? It's a clock, TikTok. right? Like and it's then of course they look the at you. Crocodile and and TikTok is the is the There you go. Crocodile, Peter Pan. Yeah, crocodile no. or a thing the clock does, but I other than that I have no idea. So, well, I do now. You 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 enlightened me. Not that it's helpful. I'm assuming it's an app. I'll download it when we're done. Get on there. Should I? One more thing. Yeah, another thing to to totally eat my time. And by the time I get good at it, it'll be gone, and then it'll be something. I'm not sure this interview is going to be helpful to anyone, but it's been fun. Um, We're. I'm usually not very helpful, but I am usually fun. People are like, like, what what do we talk about for an hour? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even remember how the conversation started, but look at where we are now. Yeah, see, who needed notes? It doesn't matter that my tablet was dead when I went to pull this up. It just doesn't matter at all. Talking about authory stuff. It's like, well, I I try really hard not to get to talk about authory stuff. Like, I want to talk to you about you and what makes you cool and what makes your audience actually like you. Ask my kids what makes me cool because that would be even funnier. Well, I think that should be like like a a TikTok video that you should do to promote your book when it comes out. Why should anyone like my mom? You shouldn't. I'm pretty sure that would be tragic. I'm pretty sure that it would go viral for all the wrong reasons. It doesn't matter. Uh, What what do they say? Uh, All press is good press or no press is bad press or some version like that? No. I'm going to go with no. No. I don't know. There's a world of Kim Kardashian out there that is evidence. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I mentioned it. I'm yeah. I'm sorry too. Oh, anyway, well, that's that's a terrible way to, to try to end. <laughs> but well, one of the questions that I do ask everyone thinking about through it is why do you choose the themes that you choose to write about, or do you even care about themes? Like your book didn't feel like a themey type of book. Um, you know, you have the single mom and you have the, you know, all the cool stuff that happens and you should go read it to find out what all that cool stuff is. There's Yeah, I don't have a true hero arc. So a lot of people read um, for a hero arc. There's the, forget how it's written out. There's this, there's the beginning and then there's the problem and then there's the bigger problem and then the hero saves everybody and then the end. Yeah, it doesn't really and do that. I'm not looking for a hero arc in my stories. My hero is looking for kind of a change of heart, even if it's not a huge one, even if it's not like, and I will end world hunger or I will now feed orphans on my days off. Not that those are bad things. I'm just saying my heroes, my main characters, I'm looking for a heart change. Even if it's a tiny thing, even if it's only in one issue, because guess what? Sometimes the change in your life comes about just from changing one thing in your life. So. Ooh, that sounds almost too profound. That's like true it's and stuff. It's because I had coffee this morning, so I'm like, woo. So this has been a lot of fun. I wasn't quite sure what to expect, and it, it's been nice not having any expectations. So is there anything else that you uh-huh. would like to... Aim low with me. Aim low. Aim low? every time. I hope it's been half as much fun for you as it's been for me, because... It's actually been about three quarters. Thank you for joining us today for our talk with Sarah S.E. Clancy. For more information about Sarah, please check out the show notes for links to her website, blog, social media, and book. And if you check out our website, whitefire.tv slash unexpressed, and you're a parent with a team, we'd love to hear your questions. 
What do you struggle with? And what are some solutions that you've come up with to help guide your teens into adulthood? This podcast is sponsored by Read Whitefire. There you can read the first two chapters of any Whitefire Publishing Group company's books. And if you like what you read, they're available for purchase in print format, as well as electronic formats for all the most popular e-readers. Some books even have signed copies available. And if you're a listener of this podcast, there's a chance you're a good candidate for Platy People, our membership program for unique readers. For just $5 a month or $50 a year, Platy People members get to choose two free books per month, a free novella, 15% off all purchases, including gift certificates, and free shipping to U.S. addresses. Why choose Ordinary when you can read Extraordinary? Unexpressed is part of the Whitefire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast to find other shows we know you're going to love.